0: But we're going to read this morning from the gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 11. We're going to read from verse 20 to verse 30, 10 verses, Matthew chapter 11. Reading from the authorized version, breaking into the chapter, let's hear the word of God. For those online, the words will come up on screen. Matthew chapter 11, verse 20. Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. Woe unto you, Chorazin. Woe unto you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained unto this day. But I say unto you, that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight, all things are delivered unto me of my Father. And no man knoweth the Son but the Father, Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden. Is light. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own precious and infallible word. Now my text this morning is taken from Matthew chapter 11 verse 29. And it reads as follows. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls. And I've entitled this theme today, A Glimpse Into the Heart of Christ. Now I've discovered, through reading a book that was bought to me at Christmas, some truths about the heart of Christ. One thing that I have learned at Matthew eleven twenty nine 29, was the favorite verse of the German reformer, Philip Melanchthon. The Puritan John Flavel preached a sermon in this verse called Keeping the Heart. How to maintain your love for Christ? That's a great sermon. I lend it to anyone that wants it. Uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon points out in one of his sermons on the heart of Christ. Now listen to this. There are 89 chapters in the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And yet there's only one place in the four Gospels, in fact only one place in the entire New Testament, only one place in the entirety of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation where the Lord Jesus Christ actually tells us about his heart. Now, there's much in the Gospels about the birth of Christ, the sinless life of Christ, the atoning death of Christ, the bodily resurrection of Christ, the ascension of Christ, the the coming of Christ. And all four Gospels records his unjust trial at the hands of evil and wicked men, the subsequent cruel, shameful death by crucifixion, his bodily resurrection. There's records about his sermons, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. The uh, sermon uh, to do with what we call the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24. There's mention of his travels, there's mention of his parables. There's mention of his prayers where he pours out his heart to his heavenly Father. John 17, there's a part of a prayer here in Matthew chapter 11 if you read it carefully. But only one place in the whole of the Bible where the Lord Jesus opens up his heart to us. And he utters some of the most wonderfulest, beautiful words that you could ever read. If you look at Matthew 11 verse 29, I'm thinking of the free is for I am meek and lowly in heart. That is a most tremendous statement. That is a most illustrious subject. I went to bed on the 26th of December, maybe about 10 o'clock or maybe 11, and I was reading a book that was bought to me by a lady in the church entitled Gentle and Lowly. And the words almost jumped out of the page. Because I was thinking of these very words. For I am meek and lowly in heart. You see, who is the real Lord Jesus Christ? What is he really like? What is in the heart of Christ? Can we know? Is there an answer? Yes. You see, there was one time he pulled back the veil And he's telling us by way of personal testimony. And what does he teach us and tell us? For I am meek and lowly in heart. He's not austere and demanding. He's not pushy and bossy. He's not, and he is of course, holy and loving. And joyful and generous. But he doesn't tell us that. He tells us no, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and there's many allusions to the heart of God and the heart of Christ in the Bible, but only one occasion during his three and a half year earthly ministry did the Lord Jesus describe his own heart. Now, young people, the reference to the heart is not the organ that pumps blood around the body. The reference to the heart in the Bible is the center of our inner being, Not just a part of our being, but the very core of our being, the very center of who we are. What actually defines us? Now I've discovered through a wee bit of study that there's 29 references in the Bible to the word meek or or meekness. The first reference refers to Moses, Numbers 12 and 3, being very meek one of the meekest men, if not the meekest man in all of the earth. There are seven references to the word meek in the Psalms of David, three references in the book of Isaiah, three in the gospel of Matthew, and this is the center one, Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. And the rest are in the epistles. And the last two references are in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 4, it mentions the word meek, and also in the verse 15. Meekness, of course, is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5, to 23, there's a ninefold fruit. And one of those fruits is meekness. And yet, there's only one place in the whole of the Bible where the Lord Jesus, by way of personal testimony, opens up to describe his heart, what his heart is like, and what does he tell us? For I am meek. And lowly in heart. Now that night in December when I began to read that chapter in the book. There was three thoughts came to my mind. And I wrote them down on a piece of paper. Thankfully I didn't lose the bit of paper. It's not good. Well, well here's the first thought that came to my mind. The character of Christ. For I am meek. And lowly in heart. You see, this is a declaratory description. If you think of the context here, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Why? Why yoke yourself to Christ? The word "for" means because. I am meek and lowly in heart. Meekness, I believe, is a forgotten, hidden virtue. Many understand meekness to be weakness. But young people, the Lord Jesus is not weak. He's not trigger-happy. He's not harsh and reactionary. He's not easily exasperated. He doesn't lose his temper. Do you know that the Lord Jesus is the most amazing the most understanding, the most meek individual in the whole of the world. He's not self-assertive. He's not full of self-interest. He's not soon angry. He's not proud. He's not stubborn. He's not selfish. You know, when you examine his life, when you look at his labors, the works of his hands, the miracles, when you listen to his language, the sermons, the parables, you can only conclude one thing. This is a true testimonial. The truth is that we all fall short. None of us really exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. None of us really exhibit this forgotten, hidden virtue of meekness. None of us can truly say, for I am meek. Would that be true of us every second, of every minute, of every hour, of every day, of every week, of every month? In the character of Christ, this is a testimonial declaration. But but let's think of something else. There's, there's also a definition here. When he said, For I am meek, what did he mean? Someone has said, it's an honest recognition of one's true self. Now, that's good, isn't it? I've already told you the Lord Jesus was not full of a sense of his own importance. Who is he? He's God in the flesh. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. He's our creator and maker, and we're dependent on him. And we could think of the many lovely titles that we could use to describe him. And yet, despite these titles of who he is, he's not full of his own self-importance. His chief characteristic is meekness. And therefore, how lovely Christ is. How, How attractive he is. How accessible he is. But as I thought of that meaning, it's an honest recognition of one's true self. I I think there's more to it than this. Uh, A man called Archbishop Trent said this in relation to this chief attribute. In all the work of Christ, his many miracles and parabolic teaching, his life does not consist in outward behavior as he reveals to his fellows, now here's the meaning, the inward grace of the soul exercised firstly and chiefly toward God. It is a temper of spirit that in all his dealings with God, he performs without disputing and without resisting. In other words, Christ, without disputing and resisting, accepted all that God the Father had for him and all that the hand of God the Father put upon him in his birth, his life, his death, his his resurrection. Jesus Christ didn't resist, dispute, recant the will of God. He lived his life with a right relationship with God as heavenly father. And he lived in a right relationship toward his fellow man. In other words, he imbued this inward grace of the soul chiefly and firstly toward God. He had a temper of spirit that in all his dealings with God and his dealings with men, even evil men, he exercised a spirit of meekness. A spirit of meekness before good men And upright men, righteous men And, and a spirit of meekness before evil men Wicked, ungodly men He's still exhibited That spirit of meekness But primarily and chiefly It was firstly toward God And then his fellow man Psalm 40 verse 8 says I delight to do thy will Oh my God Could we take that to heart this morning? This declaration This definition about the character of Christ. And as we think of what it is, it's an inward grace of the soul, exercised chiefly and firstly toward God and towards our fellow man. Can we not aim and strive to be like Christ? As I've told you, this is the only time that he opens up his heart. Other scriptures deal with the mind of Christ, the hand of Christ, the feet of Christ, the eyes of Christ, the the hair of Christ, the 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 the, the um, uh, life of Christ. But let us see this chief characteristic. It's in his heart. It's what defines him. And remember, what is in the heart will come out. Didn't the Lord Jesus say and? Uh, Mark chapter 7 and in the verse um, uh, 21 and 23 he said these words in um, for from within out of the heart of men proceed what? Evil thoughts adulteries, fornications, murders, theft covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. all these evil things where do they come from? They come from within and they defile the man and we contrast the heart of Christ with our heart. Jeremiah said the heart is deceitful and above all things desperately wicked. And what good can come out of the human heart? Nothing. Well, what comes out of the heart is is evident at mouth gate. You only have to listen to the language. You come out of school, some of the um, secondary schools, and walk behind some of the pupils, young men and young girls, and listen to their language. And and you learn that they have got a heart that's unclean, a heart that's filthy. You learn they're not less exhibiting a spirit of meekness and lowliness like Christ. Why? Because coming out of their heart, uh, through mouth gate, when you listen to their language, they, then it's 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 language that's evil and wicked in the sight of God. But the Lord Jesus stands head and shoulders above the children of men. He alone can truthfully declare this by way of testimonial. He can be defined by this inward grace of the soul toward God and toward men. He wasn't spiteful. He's not selfish, proud, vengeful, and hurtful. He's a true man, one who hated sin. He had a love for truth and righteousness, a holy man, one who's resplendent in glory, one who dazzles in holiness, one who's unique. And yet, in a strange way, he is tender, welcoming, accommodating, and understanding. And if we had Christ here, and we had asked Christ, tell us about yourself, Lord Jesus. What are you like? What's your most prominent trait? Here would be his honest, humble answer. For I am meek and lowly in heart. Only one place, folks, in all of the Bible does he open up his heart to us. He adds the words, not only meek, for I am meek, but he adds the word lowly. Now that speaks of his humility. Remember when the Lord Jesus entered Jerusalem and he was riding on a donkey, the foal of an ass, and Isaiah and Zechariah were proclaiming, behold, your king cometh unto you. Behold, your king cometh. If you think of his power and think of his sovereignty and think of his authority. And yet, how did he come? He come meekly. He come quoting Zechariah 9 and 9. Uh, according to Matthew chapter 21 And in the verse uh, 5 Which is the other reference There's three in Matthew to the word meek Then you get uh, these words Tell ye the daughter of Zion Behold thy king cometh unto thee Meek That's the first thing Sitting upon an ass Upon a coal The foal of an ass A beast of burden No, no white horse no black stallion, no no fancy royal chariot worth a lot of money. He chose to come on a donkey sitting on an ass because he was meek. It refers to his humility. It refers, to, I believe, to his accessibility. The children had no fear to come near to him. He was approachable. In fact, if you turn over there in the book of Hebrews to Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 26, Look at this particular scripture, Hebrews 7 and verse 26. It says, for such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Think of the word holy, no weakness in nature. Think of harmless, no weakness in emotion. Not easily provoked. Children could come near without fear. He's accessible. He's approachable. He's undefiled, the Bible says. No weakness in morality. He, he is separate from sinners. No weakness in devotion to God. He, he's a Nazarite from birth. He, he's, he's higher than the heavens. No weakness in his position or office. And he now lives in the power of an endless life. There, there's, there's no um, weakness in his body. He was tempted in all points like as we are. And yet no weakness of intellect. His nature can't ensnare him. We can't provoke him. Sin can't stain him. Evil can't assault him. No power can overthrow him. Time can't age him. And your trial and mine, because this is designed to comfort and strengthen God's people, can outsmart him. We should consider him how great he is. He's holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. That's the character of Christ. I want you to think secondly, because here's the second thing I wrote down was the conduct of Christ. How did he live out his life? Well, he lived it out in a spirit of meekness and a spirit of lowliness. This was the chief characteristic that defined Christ. Now, in his conduct, I want you to think about his piety. The Lord Jesus didn't live his life full of a carnal spirit of revenge. Over there in Luke chapter Nine and um, the uh, verse uh, fifty-one. I remember his disciples. It says, "And it came to pass when his time was come that he should be received up. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem." Uh, and whenever he he got to uh, Jerusalem, remember. Um, the disciples said, verse 54, Luke 9, and when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? Verse 55, but he turned and rebuked them and said, you know not what manner of spirit ye are of? For the Son of Man has not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. You see, the Lord Jesus didn't have a fleshly, vindictive spirit. He wasn't easily provoked. Here's these two disciples and they want to call fire down from heaven upon this village of the Samaritans. And what was his response? You know not what manner of spirit ye are. And even when unkind things were said to him and about him, things that were untrue, false accusations. Remember, they said he was a gluttoner, a gluttonous man. They said he was a wine-bibber. Remember the false witnesses that were risen up against him? He's despised and rejected of men. Think of his unjust trial, his, his, the beating, the bruising, the blasphemy, the brutal treatment, the, the ignominious death of crucifixion on the cross. He, he rose above it all. The, 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 the heart of Christ rose above the carnal, vengeful spirit. And he exhibited meekness and lowliness. He submitted himself to the will of God. Over there in the book of Colossians, and we'll deal with this whenever we eventually return to Colossians, in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12, it it makes a tremendous statement to God's people. Here's the wardrobe for the people of God. Here's how to dress for success. Colossians 3 and verse 12, put ye on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering. See we're called to be like him Remember Moses Numbers 12 and 3 Was very meek above all the men Upon the earth the leader of Two million um, children Of Israel coming out of the land of Egypt But was Moses meek all of the time Every second every minute every hour Every day every week every Month for all of His life no he wasn't There was times when he Lost his temper. Remember when he broke the two tables of stone, come down into the camp because of sin and idolatry, the golden calf worship. Remember the time when he struck the rock twice when he was told by God just to strike it once. See, not in all circumstances was Moses meek. And yet, the Lord Jesus, there's none his equal. We should strive to be like him. And we should say we're sorry when we've said and done this and that in the loss of temper. Even in the midst of times of trial and persecution and opposition and privation, the temptation is to behave in a a carnal, vengeful, fleshly manner. But we, of course, are called upon by the Lord Himself to exhibit the spirit of meekness. Listen to the word of God. Seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness, seek meekness, that it may be ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. The pity of Christ. Think of the patience of Christ. Mention is made of long suffering. How long suffering has the Lord been to many individuals who've heard the gospel? They've heard the call to repent and exercise faith in Jesus Christ. And they, oh, I don't believe in that stuff. I, I, I don't believe I need to repent of my sin and trust Jesus Christ. I, I'm a good person. And, and they, they, they don't know the true depth and condition of their own heart. And yet the Lord has been long suffering. The, the Lord has been very patient. And that's all connected to the spirit of meekness and spirit of lowliness. Think of the pity of Christ this morning. Those who refuse and reject Him, those who turn their back on Him. Remember the rich young ruler? It says he, he turned from Christ. And Christ was sad and sorrowful at the sight of the young man turning his back upon him. Could you think of that this morning? suppose I come with a very large substantial gift or just an ordinary gift and I I presented that gift to you and said here you are this is free please take this and you refused that gift and and you walked away well well, what would happen well the old nature would rise up I would say well there's an individual deserves a good thump or as my late aunt would have said a clash along the ear." And I'd be thinking, how dare he? How, how dare she treat me that way? I went to this expense and I bought this lovely gift. And I'm presenting it to them free of charge. And, and, and this is how they've treated me. Oh, this is, this is dreadful. But well, the Lord Jesus had nothing but pity in his heart for that young man, that rich young ruler who walked away from Christ. That's the pity. He, didn't he weep over Jerusalem? Didn't he see them as sheep without a shepherd? Doesn't this same Christ say he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked? The same Christ grieves and sorrows over individual sins, over the sins in Ulster today. I believe he does. I believe there, there, there's brokenness in, in heaven grieving the heart of Christ because of the sins, the, 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 the decadent immorality of our time. Yet his heart is full of pity. Over there in 1 Timothy and in chapter 6 and verse 11, we have this call. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. There's another thing. That's what we're to follow after. You see, we're to be like Christ. One final thing this morning, not only the character of Christ and the um, conduct of Christ, but I want you to think of the command of Christ. He says, if you go back to our text, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Remember I said about the context, take my yoke upon you and learn of me because I am meek and lowly in heart. You see, I believe that meekness and lowliness is an essential trait Of Christ's likeness. We are called upon to be like Christ. We have been predestinated to be changed into the image of Christ. And in contrast to Christ, when we think of our heart, we we discover there's a mass of sin. We, We discover that apart from the grace of God, the human heart is not changed. John Owen said that sin gnaws away in our heart like a rodent. And we need to know our own heart. A mass of corruption. A mass of human weakness. How unlike Christ we are. Are we not truly strangers to our true selves? Are we not ignorant of what is really going on in our heart and life? What what every individual needs this morning is an honest recognition of their true self. I'm a guilty, vile, hell-deserving sinner. I deserve wrath and condemnation. I deserve to be put into the, 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 the lowest hell. And to that people who are laboring under that burden and that weight, the weight of sin and the consciousness of that sin, the Lord Jesus issues this command. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. In this command, there's a call. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. But what does that mean, take my yoke? Let's think of two oxen. One's an older oxen. as well experienced in ploughing, doing the work that the farmer wants. One's probably a younger oxen, maybe even new to the job. And the two are yoked together. And the younger learns from the older. And that's the picture. We're learning from Christ. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. We shouldn't be reluctant to come. We shouldn't be afraid to come because the one who calls us making lowly in heart. Can you picture yourself being yoked to Christ? We, we have so many things to learn. We can learn from his example. We can learn from his exhortation. And we see not only a call here, but we see a counsel. Learn of me. How did he deal with his foes? The enemies of Christ were never far away. The Lord Jesus to his enemies had the right word because a soft answer turns away wrath. He exhibited meekness and lowliness toward them even though they hated him without a cause, even though they were opposed to him, even though they caused division and stirred up a lot of animosity. He dealt with his foes in meekness and lowliness. How did he deal with his friends? Oh, so often his friends let him down Your friends will let you down Somebody in this church could let you down Peter, James and John Remember when he took them Into the garden of Gethsemane He told them to watch and pray Lest they enter into temptation Whenever he came back he found them sleeping And he says what could you not watch with me one hour And then he added sleep on now You see it's as if he understood He didn't enter into A big argument with them Think of Thomas and all his doubts. Think of Judas, the betrayer. Could you imagine this morning your best friend letting you down in your hour of need? What would happen? Well, I would say the old nature would kick in and the friendship would be over and never to be resurrected or revived. And the mindset would be if that friend not only let you down but done you harm, you would be thinking, my day will come. And you're plotting revenge in your head. And, and sometimes we say, what goes around comes around. I, I'll get you back. I, I don't get mad. I, I get even. You see, that's the old nature. But even though his friends let him down and said and did things that were wrong, he still exercised meekness and lowliness toward them. Even his family who didn't believe in him. They, they said, he's, he's mad. He's beside himself. And yet he treated them with the same spirit of meekness. You see, there's a comfort here. Not only a call and a counsel, but there's a comfort here. And the comfort is this. This is only for those who come to him because they labor and are heavy laden. They come to him because they want rest, rest for their souls. That They come to take his yoke. I'm going to be yoked to Christ. I'm going to receive him. I'm going to follow his example, listen to his exhortation. I, I, I'll be blessed by his encouragement. And i learn of him. Why? Because he's meek and lowly in heart. The meek and lowly heart of Christ. A glimpse into his heart. Take this character of him in your mind this morning try to emulate his conduct, that in our life of piety, that as we display patience, as we have pity, as we offer prayer, let us do it with meekness and lowliness. And and let's heed this command, this counsel, this call, this comfort. The Lord bless you this morning.